welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today we are sitting down with Shari Black and continuing a two-part conversation with Shari. This week we want to talk to Shari a little bit more about her involvement with the state of Kansas and the state of Michigan and, and as a worker in the state system for Child Protective Services. I hope if you listened last week, you were able to hear some of Shari's personal adoption story. But this week, I hope you hear about how her personal story with adoption, both of being adopted and adopting children, also has driven her to be an active believer in government especially Child Protective Services, for the glory of the gospel, but also for physical justice to those in foster care and to those children who are in need. But before we sit down with Shari, I just want to remind you that the idea of international adoption can be overwhelming when you aren't sure where to go for answers. And Lifeline welcomes all of your questions and concerns. So call us, email us, or join us for a webinar as we guide you through what the international adoption process looks like. We will walk you through the steps, including the application process, home study, travel, financing your adoption, and talk more about our international adoption program. So find a date that works for you at lifelinechild.org backslash info dash meetings. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash info dash meetings. And when you go to that site, you'll be able to register for a webinar or register for a face-to-face meeting so that you can learn more about international adoption. But don't forget, you don't have to do a webinar. You can always call us. You can always email us because we're ready to answer your questions about how the Lord may be calling you towards intercountry adoption. For those families that are listening that truly do have the hope of Christ, you know, that identity in Christ resting on all of us that comes through our adoption in Christ if we are his children is what unites us all, no matter who we are, no matter where, how we got into our families. And so to preach that gospel daily um, and to direct the eyes of your children back to the cross is so, is so central. Well, Shari, we know that for many years you did work directly with state government. And, you know, we know that a lot of times Uh, the state faces a lot of struggles. And I know it's the heart of the Ministry of Lifeline to minister to the state. I'm afraid, and it's true, that many times in our child welfare system here in the United States, the state is who gets the blame, and it's not the state's fault. Um, You know, we believe as a ministry that if the church were to do her job adequately, then it would be a blessing to the state, and the state would have far less to do. Uh, if the church, and, and not just the church as, a, as an organization, but the church is the people of God. And we believe that, you know, every state government and every county office is made up of beautiful, beautiful people who got into those jobs because they had a heart to care for children. And so you worked for many years uh, with Adopt U.S. Kids. Uh, and, and certainly that took you from many states and, and like we've said, uh, in Michigan and, and Kansas specifically. But talk about how you first came to learn about Lifeline through a partnership with the state of Kansas. Um, I was actually um, um, at, I was serving as a parent voice. I became At one point in time, I used to be a social worker who happened to be a mom, and then through our experiences through adoption, 
um, realized that, no, I have to be a, a mom who happens to be a social worker. Um, I have to lead as a mom boy first and have a voice, even in a professional setting, um, speak on behalf of parents who experience and love children who come from hard places. And so I was actually serving on a committee um, that was looking to bring um, a program to our state. And um, and then later I be, um, obtained a position within um, our state uh, child welfare agency. Um, and so uh, Lifeline Kansas uh, was stepped up and we were looking for a partner to uh, a child placing agency partner to take on this program. And uh, so Lifeline Kansas uh, was that partner. And so in my position um, with the state, I um, reached out to them to uh, help and support the uh, Lifeline with the program that they were implementing uh, as a prevention uh, tool in our state. So that was how I first met um, the director here and um, became a friend of this agency. And just being a believer and a follower of Christ in a, such an integral leadership position at the state government level uh, definitely gave you some unique opportunities, but also a unique perspective. What, what is it like and what was it like being in leadership in state government? And what were just some of the, the stresses and the needs that you were able to assess uh, within state government? I would say that, um, you know, and I appreciate your words earlier on about, um, you know, the, the people that work in public child welfare, whether they be, you know, they work for the state or the county um, agency, or they work at a private agency that is contracting with the state and providing those services. And um, actually, that's where a lot of my um, years of service in child welfare was working at private agencies who had contracts with the state. And, um, um, you know, everybody, you don't get into social work or, or child welfare um, as a helping professional um, because you want to make people's lives complicated and tick everybody off. Um, you get in because you want to make a difference in the lives of children and families. And um, you want to help society be better and function, people function as, as well as they can. Um, but what I would say is that um, child welfare is more complex than most people understand. And it is not that the entity, you know, the state government or so makes it complex. When you are dealing with um, the, the brokenness in people's lives, um, the complexity of trauma and the generational impact of trauma and loss uh, and people's reaction and responses to that, you're dealing with some very, very complex things. And, um, you know, so you're navigating all of that. You're navigating, you know, there's um, child welfare is, um, um, there's federal legislation that, um, uh, and state legislation that mandates how certain services are, you know, need to be provided and um, and documented and all of that. Uh, there is just a lot to navigate, and people outside of child welfare, uh, especially public child welfare, they they think they you know they may think that well you know a child needs this a family needs this just make it happen, 
Um, I wish it were that simple. Um, and so um, I would think, I would just say people need to have grace and mercy um, for um, and be prayerful for um, public child welfare systems and um, all of the entities involved because nobody gets into this job because they want to screw up people's lives. <laughs> and just even from... And not the yeah. saying that they are screwing up people's lives, right. but I mean that that is a perception that, you know, I mean, it, you get such a bad rap as, you know, when you work in child welfare. I mean, you're not respected. Uh, many times you're not respected. You know, people talk about, you know, you, you know, you never return my phone calls and all of this. I mean, if you knew... If you knew what child welfare staff have to deal with, um, and we can't talk about it with anybody, you know, because it's confidential. And in some of the things that, especially the the frontline workers who do investigations, I mean, you know, there are things that, you know, you just can't imagine um, what they see and what they have to deal with. And, and so I love, you know, like how we, you know, how we as an agency and ministry talk about loving and, and appreciating and praying for, for, for staff and how, you know, um, uh, Christian Alliance for Orphans, you know, they have, um, you know, special emphasis on how to, um, you know, uh, help uh, acronym of, um, um, of how to serve public child welfare staff and, and how ministries can come along and support them. That is amazing and that's so needed. And even what you say, I, I, if, if anyone really did have a true glimpse into the normal day of child protective workers in our states and on our county lines and, and, and to know there's so much more going on behind the scenes than meets the eye, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, these beautiful people who, who, like we have said, got into this work because they wanted to care for children and they wanted to defend children. They end up hated by the birth parents and hated by the foster parents because they're trying to make decisions that's best for both. And unfortunately, we live in such a fallen world that if it's not 100% best for me, then then we war against it. And, and, and these beautiful, beautiful people, so many that I've met that, that, that love what they do, but are getting beat up from everywhere. You know, yeah, the perspective is, like you said, they're trying to screw people's lives up. But, but the truth of it is they're trying to work for the best interest of a child and the best interest of a protection of that child. And there's so many complexities that are, are wrapped up into that. And, and I think sometimes as believers, we just think we see what's broken and we, we look at, oh, well, that's broken. I just need to fix that. But the truth of the matter is we have absolutely no idea all the the complexities, the confidentiality, the 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 loopholes, trying to make sure that you follow the law that each of these child protective workers, directors, leaders, commissioners have to deal with. So, from an insider's perspective, if you were going to counsel a church on how to best partner and support the state well, what would you tell them to do? I would say pray. <laughs> I mean, and I know that that's you know, nice. It appears to be a nice pat Christian answer for everything, but it is, I would say, pray and ask the Lord to show them how they might do what they might um, do something, you know, how they might serve differently. For example, is there any 
um, you know, is there any child welfare staff or foster parents in their in their midst? Um, if they have foster adoptive parents, you know, is there, you know, can you get a connection with somebody so that you maybe can know maybe how you can, you know, support somebody more specifically? Um, I just would have appreciated, I remember um, saying rather snarkily to a friend one time, um, a colleague, we were, we were in it. And I said, you know what? I think every day we're on a mission field, but you know, people pray for missionaries all the time and they have special drives and they call attention to missionaries and lift up what they do. But I think that what we do is mission work and nobody seems to care. Um, and, um, and so I was kind of snarky about that. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and I think so just recognize, I, I think maybe, maybe it begins with respect. First of all, just respect that people are doing the best that they can. Do we make mistakes? Yeah, we're human. Um, but, um, you know, are there some things that we could do differently? Well, I'm sure there is from your perspective, but, you know, and maybe even, I mean, but nobody outside can never fully understand all the dynamics inside, you know, of, of working in a case or working with a situation, working with a particular families. And I know that when you have, you know, foster families and prospective adoptive families, you know, and they step forward and they want to be resources, there can be a lot of heartache in that. Um, you know, um, because, you know, we want, um, you know, because birth parents matter, birth families matter. Um, and we can't be rescue rangers. Um, you know, we have to really think, and we know a lot, we've been doing, you know, we've had child protection laws in, this, in our country for a long time, and we've been doing this work for a long time. And um, so we, 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 we have research and we have studies and we know what happens. And so, you know, the, the current best practices are according to what research has told us and what we have learned from, you know, kids who have grown up in foster care or adoption and they come back and they tell us and they inform us and their voices now heard. Um, many states have, you know, youth councils that help advise um, the practice of social work. Some states even have, you know, uh, family advisory networks or councils that help bring that birth parent voice. You know, our own program, a Families Count, um, you know, helps bring, strengthen that, that, that birth family, but also help them um, have, learn to have a voice to, you know, advocate for themselves and their children. So um, I would say respect, prayer, and, um, and, and just, you know, if, come alongside and just love on in some simple way, even just saying thank you for what you do. Um, one of the most beautiful um, gifts I ever received was from an organization that recognized me as a, um, as a child welfare professional, and they just wanted to say thank you. And I can't tell you how deeply that touched me and still does to this day. Mm. Well, you mentioned Families Count, and you've seen this program both from the inside as well as the outside. And so with that unique perspective of, of being on the inside of child welfare and seeing the need for counsel 
towards families with reunification and then now being on this side and seeing the involvement more intimately of the local church why do you think fam programs like families count are so integral to to partnering with the state and helping with reunification and ultimately seeing the progressiveness of child welfare well i think that you know first of all with when a family has their child involved in child welfare um system you know it is there's a lot of um shame and uh, blame that happens either directly or indirectly um and you know that parent for whatever reason um often feels like you know i i am and especially if they're dealing with their own their own stuff like an addiction or mental health issues or you know they've just been got their own trauma stuff that they're trying to sort through um they feel alone but yet when their child comes into foster care um they are you know the case plan the you know the the um the court orders i mean they get a laundry list of of things that of of, of thou shouts you know if you want your child back thou shalt do this 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 and this and um you know that can be very daunting um even for you know the most functional of our families um but you know for if, for if you're struggling and if you you know if you've not you know learned how to navigate um reaching goals and um you know and overcoming and having success with that well, who of us can overcome and reach high goals for ourselves if we didn't have somebody coming alongside us and walking with us and encouraging us and, and coaching us? We can't do that on our own on something that that, you know, that is not as significant as trying to get our children back. Families count does that. You know, even though they have to have a parenting class, it's not like, OK, here's a parenting class. Go check it off your list. You know, I love how you know, this program wraps around that parent and prize them and works to help them be successful, not just at completing the court order or the case plan objective, but in truly um, transforming um, their life and uh, ultimately that of their child's. And um, that's what Families Count does, and that's why I love this program so. Well, Shari, even as we think about just coming alongside of the Child Welfare Program, one of the things you said was to pray. And so can you give us some specific ways that as believers we can begin today, tomorrow, and every day praying for those state and local CPS workers? I would pray for, say to pray for their confidence and competence in what they know and what they've learned. Um, because there are things that come at you constantly and make you think, what have I gotten myself in and I don't have a clue. Um, I would pray for their relationships for with their colleagues, with their supervisors, with their teams. I would pray for supervisors. Supervisors are crucial to the um, stability of the workforce of um, line staff. Um, so pray for supervisors and those that supervise supervisors. Um, pray for um, 
um, pray for peace, that they would also um, just have peace because, you know, as a, you know, as a, um, a, a line worker, especially, um, but even, even those that super in all up the chain, the things that you deal with in child welfare, you, you cannot imagine the stories, the, the trauma, the pain, the, you, you just cannot imagine. And so pray for their peace, pray for their self-care. Uh, social workers, especially in child welfare, we're notorious for um, neglecting ourselves. Um, you know, the idea of having a lunch hour, what's that? Um, you know, of eating well, of, you know, of, of you know, having a, an intentional way of, you know, uh, managing stress. Um, pray for um, the, their work family balance. Um, many, many staff, you know, have children and husbands and, you know, it's, it's hard, especially if you have a pager or I'm sorry, that's kind of dating me. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're on call and, um, you know, and you take calls and you have to respond, you know, all times of the day or the night, um, you know, trying to find that work-life balance, even in administration, you know, there's always more work than you have capacity to manage. And so knowing how to, you know, help pray for them to be able to prioritize um, and to make good decisions. And those in administration um, that are having to make some hard decisions regarding some cases, um, pray that they would have clarity and discernment and wisdom. Um, I could go on, but that gives you some. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shari, as we even close this podcast, would you mind just closing this podcast for us by praying for those workers and for those fearless men and women who are serving on the this lines for Child Protective Services? I'd be happy to. Father God, first of all, we give you all honor and glory and praise. We thank you, Lord, for that special group of people across this nation that um, find themselves working in child welfare. Um, people often rarely choose to go into it. They start out and say, but they want to leave and go elsewhere. Lord, I pray that you would call people specifically to work in child welfare as a line worker, as a supervisor, as an administrator, um, and all the other uh, support um, positions that come along with that. I pray for the courts, Lord, because the court is involved in every child welfare situation. Uh, I pray for the judges and um, the guardian ad litems um, that are making decisions along with staff, Lord. Um, I lift all of these people up to you. I pray for the CASAs. Uh, I pray especially for foster and adoptive families. Lord, I pray for all. I pray for birth families. I pray for um, uh, relative placements, all that are involved in serving vulnerable children, Lord. But especially going back to um, those that are 
on the front lines, whether they be investigators um, or licensing foster families or carrying a foster care caseload or working to prepare children for adoption, Lord, I lift them all up to you because they are working directly with your precious children. Lord, I pray that you would give them your mind, whether they acknowledge you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would give them your mind and you help them to see the uniqueness in each individual they touch. Even a birth mom that may be strung out on drugs and her choices in, in her lifestyle and choices is what may have caused her child to be in foster care. Lord, I pray that you would give that worker compassion on that mom um, and that you would help her to see, um, see that mom as you see her, as somebody worthy um, of love and of respect um, and, and find a way to help her to, um, to, to live the life that you would call her to. Lord, it is not easy to work day in and day out. We know the attrition rate of frontline staff. Lord, I pray that you would stabilize um, um, the, the staff that are involved in children's lives especially. We know that every time uh, a child loses a worker and has to start over again, that that um, increases, that increases that child's length of stay um, in the system, Lord. Um, I just pray for peace and direction and guidance and support and assurance, Lord, that even though the work is hard, that it does matter and that most importantly, that they matter. They matter to you. And we thank you, God, and we praise your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that uh, each of our listeners can understand just why we are so grateful for this sweet lady uh, who is our sister and our co-laborer for Christ in the field of the fatherless. And the Lord has allowed many things um, to be accomplished through the hands of Shari Black and for the good of kids. Uh, and just, uh, just thank you for her. And uh, we're so grateful uh, for the work that the Lord has allowed her to do. Shari, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Herbie, for having me. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.